Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a prophecy of the birth of Christ as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 16. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. In the near prophecy, a child was to be born, or before a child born at that period was old enough to know evil, to choose good, or the age of accountability, 12, 13 years old, or what he is saying, within 12 or 13 years, both Pekka and Rezin are going to get wiped out. They'll no longer be reigning over Syria and over Samaria within 12 or 13 years. But the prophecy in its long term was a prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ in that the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know that that is a prophecy of Jesus Christ because it is interpreted by the Holy Spirit in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 23, as a prophecy. When it speaks there of how Mary and Joseph were engaged, but before they had had relations, Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, that it might be fulfilled according to the word of the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Matthew's gospel, as Matthew writing by the Holy Spirit, interprets this passage of Scripture. He interprets it to be a prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now the Hebrew scholar Genensius, who has written a Hebrew lexicon and is recognized as one of the outstanding Hebrew scholars, has suggested that the Hebrew word here, translated virgin, uh, should be translated a young maiden. You know why he suggests that? Because he said he doesn't believe in miracles and it would be a miracle for a virgin to have a, a child. And so that's why he said, and that's why he translates this young maiden. And of course, Revised Standard and a lot of the new translations pick up uh, the unbelief of Genensius and translate this, a young maiden shall conceive. Well, what's so much of a sign about that? That happens every day. It takes away the whole thrust of the scripture. But a virgin shall conceive. The Greek word that was translated by these 70 scholars who translated the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament 200 years before Christ, They chose to translate this Hebrew word with a Greek word that can only mean virgin. And that God intended virgin is obvious because of Mary. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Beautiful name. God is with us. So that is the far interpretation of this prophecy. The near was that within 12 years, a child born now within 12 years, by the time he's age of accountability, knows good from evil, both these kings that have conspired against you will be wiped out. And that was true. 
Now he does predict the impending invasion of Judah. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house. Remember, he's talking to Ahaz, the king. Days that have not come upon the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the uttermost part of the rivers of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come and shall rest all of them in the desolate valleys and in the holes of the rocks and upon the thorns and upon all the bushes. And in the same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, namely those that are beyond the river by the king of the Assyria, the head and the hair of his feet, and he shall consume the beard. Now what God is talking about is that God is going to raise up another kingdom, and that is the kingdom of Assyria. And Assyria is going to invade and wipe out Syria. Assyria was over a little further north and east from Syria. And so sometimes people get confused with Syria and Assyria. Syria is going to be destroyed. Here they are planning an invasion, but Syria will be destroyed by Assyria. And God is going to bring Egypt up in an invasion within the land. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And he speaks of the abundance of milk that they shall give. Actually, because there's not very many people left around. The land, the tilled land, is turned into briars and thorns. And uh, all of the hills will be digged with a mattock, and there shall not come thither the fear of briars and thorns, but it shall be for the sending forth of oxen, the treading of the lesser cattle. So in chapter 8, he continues in this prediction of the Assyrian invasion. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write it with a man's pen concerning Mahar Shalahazbaz. And that is interpreted, it's a Hebrew word that means, or words that mean, haste ye, haste ye to the spoil. Quite a name. And I took me a faithful witness to record, Uriah the priest and Zechariah. And I went unto the prophetess, that is his wife, and she conceived, and she bore a son, then said the Lord unto me, Call his name Maher Shalahazbaz. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. So he went out unto his wife, and she conceived, bore a son. God said, Call him Maher Shalahazbaz, because before this kid is three years old, can say, Mama and Daddy, Syria is going to get wiped out by Assyria. The, the Damascus will be overrun by the Assyrians. The Lord spake unto me also, saying, For as much as this people refuse the waters of Shiloh that go softly, and they rejoice in Rezin and in Ramaliah's son, who is Pekah, now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all of his glory, and he shall come up over all of his channels and go over all the banks. So speaking figuratively, it's going to be like a flood. Assyrians are going to come, and they're going to take both Syria and the northern kingdom of Israel 
which indeed did happen. And he will pass through Judah and shall overflow and go over and shall reach even to the neck, to the stretching out of the wings, and he shall fulfill the breadth of the land, O Emmanuel. Associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be broken to pieces. Give ear, all of ye far countries, and gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, it shall come to nothing. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. So he is challenging now this confederacy. You think that you're going to join together and wipe out God's people? Not going to make it. God isn't going to let it stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of the people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all of those to whom this people shall say a confederacy, neither fear ye nor be afraid. It, it, the, the idea of two nations getting together to fight against one was an awesome thing indeed. And so that word, oh, there's a confederacy, just really struck terror into the hearts of the people really was wiping them out. And so the Lord said, hey, just, you know, forget that stuff because it's not going to stand. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Don't be afraid of what man can do or what a confederacy might do. You better be afraid of what God is going to do. Jesus said, don't be, fear those who can kill your body and after that have no power but rather fear him who after the body is dead is able to cast both soul and spirit into hell. Yes, into you fear ye him. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, a gin or a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, here again is one of those prophecies that suddenly just flashes the, the flash of the Messiah again even as Jesus became a stumbling stone to the Jew, a rock of offense. And Paul the apostle refers how that Jesus, we preach unto you Christ crucified, to the Jew, a stumbling stone, to the Greek, foolishness, but unto us who are saved, the power of God unto salvation. So Christ became a stumbling stone to the Jew. And uh, even as it is, prophesied here. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait upon the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given to me are for signs. Now, this is Isaiah, he and his children, their names especially, were to be for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwells in Mount Zion. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto the wizards, those that peep and mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light into them. Now, people were looking to the spiritist to guide them. They were looking to a communication with the dead for guidance, for instruction, for wisdom. 
And God speaks out against this. Should you not actually seek a living God rather than the, the spirit of, of a departed dead person? And yet it's amazing how many people today are involved in spiritism who are seeking to communicate with spirits, the spirits of the dead, and how many feel that they have actually uh, come into contact with the spirits of, of dead people. So many people into this who are writers and all, who have guides who direct them in their writing, some famous author of the past, and, and they feel that you know, they are guiding them and so forth, spirit guides. And people are looking to the dead for advice and for counsel. But should you not be seeking the living God for counsel? and to the law of God, and to his testimony. Now as we get into chapter 9, he said, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her that was by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in the Galilee of the nations. Now the invasion, of course, began with the north, and the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali were in the northern part, the upper Galilee regions. There's where the invasion began. When they began to move into there, you would think that the people would repent and turn to God and really seek the Lord, but they didn't. Now again, he leaves the immediate scene and prophecy flashes to the future. And here is where you come into prophecy. The people that walked in darkness that is the Gentile world, have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and the men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of the oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and the garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with a burning and a fuel of fire. And now the fabulous prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and his ministry. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So the beautiful flash of inspiration, prophetic inspiration, as Isaiah again looks beyond the immediate turmoil, this confederacy with Syria and, and Samaria, it's not going to stand. It's going to fall. Assyria is going to move in and take that territory. Assyria is going to come down into this area, but they won't take this area. But on down into the future, the hope of the future isn't in man. The hope of the future is in a child that would be born of a virgin. For unto us a child is born. 
That is looking at the birth of Jesus Christ from the human side. A child is born in Bethlehem. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A child is born. Looking at it from the divine side, a son is given. The two aspects. From the human side, a child is born. From the divine side, it's more than just a child born. A son is given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Humanly, a child is born. Divinely, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, that portion of the prophecy is not yet fulfilled. That portion of the prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. Now, this is why, and please, let's have mercy and understanding for the disciples. They were completely confused with Jesus. They were looking for their Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah, anticipating the Messiah, for they knew these prophecies. And whenever Jesus would start to talk about his death, they would get bugged. Because they didn't want to talk about his death, they wanted to talk about him sitting upon the throne of David. They wanted to talk about the kingdom and the reigning over the world. And so every time he would bring up the fact that he was going to be crucified, Peter said, oh, Lord, be that far from thee. Peter began to rebuke him for talking about his crucifixion. In turn, got rebuked. They didn't understand. And they were always saying, well, Lord, when are you going to set up your kingdom? You know, when, when, when's that aspect going to come? Jesus said, hey, there's a job to be done in the meantime. Don't, you know, that's appointed in the Father. His time, he's going to do that. But in the meantime, there's a job to be done. Now, the kingdom shall be established. This portion of the prophecy is yet unfulfilled. The child was born, the son was given. Given in a way that they didn't anticipate. His life was given as a ransom for our sins. But now we await the day when the government will be upon his shoulder. But that day will come very soon. I'm convinced of that. When Jesus returns to set up the kingdom, the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Whose name is going to be the mighty God? The child that was born, the son that was given. Oh, how that bugs the Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> Even more, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. His name. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And he shall reign forever and ever. 
of the increase of his government and peace there should be in it. Thinking of Micah's prophecy, and thou Bethlehem of Judea, though thou be little among the provinces of Judah, yet out of thee shall come he who is to rule my people Israel, whose going forth is from henceforth even forever. Ruler upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it in with judgment and with justice from now on even forever for the zeal of the Lord of hosts. So fabulous prophecy of that yet future time when Jesus comes and establishes the kingdom, coming again in power and in great glory. Not coming as a child, as a servant to die. He died once and for all. He's coming now to reign to establish his eternal kingdom. Now, God is going to bring his judgment upon these people, and, and he, he comes back now to the immediate. The Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim, that is the northern kingdom, and the inhabitant of Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, that say in the prideness and the stoutness of heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stone. In other words, they've attacked us and they've knocked down our bricks, but we will build with stones. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Isaiah 7 through 9 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you this week. May he watch over your lives and keep you in his love. May you abound in the love of Jesus Christ. May there just be that rich flowing forth in and from your life as God works in you, his perfect work of love and grace. May God grant that you have just a special week of enjoying the goodness and the fullness of God in his love. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I am Goliath. (laughs) What's going on? 
Don't be afraid, we have God on our side. My name is David, and I know all about big, scary giants. I've defeated lions and bears, and God will help me defeat Goliath, too. It's true, and Pastor Chuck wants to tell you all about the story of David and Goliath in his new book, Just for Kids. So come along on a great adventure and discover how God used David to defeat a big, scary giant and learn why David believed that God was big enough even to conquer Goliath. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of David and Goliath so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or to see a sneak preview of the story of David and Goliath, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.